Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we are reviewing The Four Agreements, a Toltec Wisdom book, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom by Don Miguel Ruiz. Nice. I reckon that was uh, as good as we'll get. Sounds like a bit of a, <laughs> sounds like a, bit of a narco, I think. Don yeah. Miguel. Yeah, well, he's a Toltec uh, master. He's from uh, Mexico. The uh, Toltecs were like an ancient civilization from Mexico known as the Women and Men of Knowledge. And so he said that they're scientists and artists who explored the spiritual knowledge and practices of the ancient ones. And that's what this book is. It's the Toltec wisdom. It's the four agreements. Don's gone back and done a lot of digging to find all the wisdom of this old old school tradition. And as you said, it comes down to uh, four big agreements that we can follow to really live heaven on earth and really avoid a so-called hell on earth. Yeah, exactly. He says it's it's not a religion like this Toltec thing. It's not a religion, but it's sort of, I guess, a spiritual way of life. This was a book recommended by a listener, Lisa Dean. It was actually recommended back in July 2017. So, it took us a while to get here, but if you send us a recommendation, we, we'll check it out eventually. Uh, this book is all about, you know, talking about the idea that we all have these agreements in our lives that we've We've made with ourselves, with other people, with our dream of life, with society, with our parents, our spouse, our children, our community. We make these agreements and we're really not conscious of them. They're just things that uh, subconsciously we've agreed or we've decided upon. In these agreements, you tell yourself who you are, what you feel, what you believe and how to actually behave. And the result of all these mini kind of agreements that you make is really makes up your whole entire personality. So, in this agreement, you're saying, this is who I am, this is what I believe, I can do certain things, some things I suck at, you know, this is reality, this is fancy, this is impossible, this isn't, and so forth. So, these are all the things that we take on and, you know, inherent in in agreement is saying that you aren't going to go against this agreement and if you were to go against it, you're going against your personality. Yeah, exactly. And the big Don is saying that we've got so many of these agreements but almost none of them were formed consciously. They were just things that we'd, we sort of picked up along the way, along our lives. And this book is about saying, look, break some of those old agreements that you've picked up uh, subconsciously that are no longer serving you and instead replace them with these four big puppers that you can consciously agree to. He says we, when we were very young, we're kind of domesticated, much like a cat or a dog is domesticated to be in a certain way. I mean, when we're born, we're completely raw, we're green, Uh, And we obviously have no agreements, but as we grow older, society and culture and your parents and brothers and everything slowly puts these agreements onto you. And if you rebel against them, you get punished. If you Mm. follow the agreement, you get rewarded. So, as we get older, what we actually do is start start to domesticate ourselves because we know what society wants and we kind of conform in that direction. And a lot of the agreements we take on from society aren't necessarily things that are going to lead us to an amazing life. Yeah, it's a bit of an eye-opener, isn't it? To think that everything you've done so far, all, all of your beliefs are really not things that you've decided upon. That when you're a child, like you, the authority figures, whether that's your parents or your teachers or your older siblings or your church or your community, they're shaping your behavior by positively reinforcing good behavior and negatively reinforcing bad behavior, much like you would do for a, a pet dog or cat. And then as we get older, we learn that he says we're an auto-domesticated animal in that we know sort of what society wants. So, we're then reinforcing our own behavior positively or negatively, but we're never really choosing our, our main agreements. Mm, exactly. So, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of courage to actually mm. change your whole belief system and break these agreements that aren't really serving you, but it's something that you need to do. And throughout the book, the next four agreements are some of the agreements that we should be making to uh, live, live sick. 
life. Live sick life. Live sicky. That's the, the Toltec term for it is live a sick life. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. So when you think about it, your word is the power that you have to create. So through your word, you can express your creative power. I mean, it can go both ways. On one hand, you can make amazing things happen through your word. But on the other hand, you can make uh, through misuse of the word and a bad use of the word, you can make absolute mayhem and hell on earth. If you look at someone like Hitler, it was through his word that he was able to, you know, inspire a lot of fear in, in all of Germany back in the day and ended up killing millions. Yeah, that's not the best sort of word. And as you said, it's like a it's it's like a sword. There's two edges. You can either with your word create a beautiful dream or with your word you can destroy everything around you. And this word we're we're extrapolating not just to the things that we say, but also the things that we say to ourselves. So the our thoughts and our beliefs, that forms part of our word. And he says that the human mind is like fertile ground. Whatever seed you're planting in there, it's fertile ground that allows it to to grow and to blossom. So if you're planting bad seeds, you know, if you're not being impeccable with your word and you're thinking bad thoughts about yourself, the human mind is a fertile ground that takes over and lets that thing grow. So you need to be careful what seeds you're planting in your own mind. So we have an extreme power over every everyone we really deal with. Uh, he's got an example in the book where he talks about a mother who was listening to her daughter sing and said, and the daughter was quite young and the mum told her, uh, stop it, Cheryl, you've got an ugly voice Oof. or something along those mm. lines, right? It does sound pretty brutal, but it is a lot worse than even that, right? Because that was a seed planted in this little girl's mind and as she got older, she this transmuted into something being shy and inhibited and scared mm. to speak up and, and so forth. So, it, it blossomed him into something much worse than those initial words were. So, Every day, we have the opportunity with our word to plant good seeds or bad seeds in ourselves, but also everyone we deal with. Mm, important. And that sort of crosses over into the uh, second agreement as well, which we'll get to in a sec. But you've got to be careful what seeds you're allowing to be planted, as you say, Matt, in your own mind and also by other people. And what he says, whenever we hear something, it's sort of our, if we believe it, it becomes part of our opinion. So if they come from ourselves or if they come from others... It's, uh, it's like planting that seed. And so we need to replace some of these bad seeds with some of these new seeds. So we're breaking the old agreements. We're, we're stripping away some of our previously held opinions. And instead, we're planting these good, positive new seeds. He says when it comes to being impeccable with your word, it all comes down to the truth. And this is the most important thing. He says, only truth will set you free. So that's the truth. Some things are really bad. He says like black magic, poison and things like gossip. Mm. I mean, when you uh, spread gossip, it's a little bit like a computer virus. So one little piece of miscommunication can break down communication between all kinds of people causing everyone it touches to be infected. So everyone, every time someone you're sitting at the water cooler and someone spreads gossip about Andy uh, on the weekend, you're really inserting a computer virus into your own brain. And then this mm. really has the, the power to grow into something completely uh, false and something that isn't true at all. In the book, he's got an example of a, a teacher who someone was spreading gossip about Mr. Mr. Alroy, something along those lines. <laughs> I'm just making up a lot of names today. But Mr. Alroy is a creep. And then that spread and then that spread and it kind of grew. And then the whole, the whole room was looking at Mr. Poor Alroy as someone who is completely not. So it started as something, a real small innocuous piece of gossip 
but it really affected Mr. Alroy's life and then also everyone in the class because all of a sudden they're not listening to Mr. Alroy mm. teach some great algebra. Yeah, exactly. And the that's important about the, the, the truth, you know, that being impeccable with your word means speaking the truth. By you spreading that gossip or what he calls, you know, the poison or the black magic about the algebra teacher, Mr. Elroy, uh, not only are you then infecting yourself with completely untrue things, you're also infecting everybody else that you tell as well. So, by spreading things that aren't true, you're obviously not being impeccable with your word. So, it affects you, it affects Mr. Elroy, it affects everybody around you. And he's saying that the word is where we can really start to change things in our lives. Firstly, in the way that we deal with ourselves and later in the way that we deal with other people. So, we need to step back sort of and realize whenever we're judging, whenever we're casting opinions on things, we need to step back and think, where did this sort of idea come from? Where did this word come from? Is this truth or is this based on something I subconsciously took on along the way? And by the, through the word, you can start to shift your idea and move towards truth as, opo- as opposed to opinion. Absolutely. So, you know, instead of speaking bullshit... Uh, build others up and also mm. build yourself up. So that's being impeccable with your word. Yeah, I like it. That's the first agreement. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. Yeah, if someone walked up to you in the street and said, hey, you're really stupid, uh, if they've never met you before, it's obviously nothing to do with you and it's all to do with them. So if you were to step away though and to take that personally, to take that as a seed and implant that in your fertile human mind, then perhaps you really are stupid is what uh, Big Don Miguel says. But you need to realize that it's not about you, it's about them. And don't take that personally because you shouldn't be uh, taking somebody else's self-opinion and putting that onto yourself for no reason. So people think that the whole world revolves around them a lot of the time. And they think that everything said is only about them. But you got to really think about the flip side. If someone's calling you a fucker uh, for yeah. whatever reason... Uh, being insulting and everyone's got their own little thumb screws that people insult them about. Mm. It's not always necessarily about you. It's actually a lot of the time about them. I mean, if there's someone who has to go around and belittling other people, they've probably got insecurities uh, themselves. So, uh, by buying into their, their insults, um, you're you're taking things personally and then this is a very bad agreement to take on. Yeah, if you think back to Mrs. Murphy who you talked about earlier and her daughter Jemima who was singing <laughs> and, and, um, and when the mother said, stop singing, you, you've got an ugly voice. I'm guessing there's a, a lot to do with the mother there. Perhaps I was, perhaps she all her whole life wanted to be a singer and was never confident enough to let it out. So she was taking out her own self-opinion on her daughter and by her daughter taking that on and affecting the rest of her life in terms of her confidence and her courage just from that one small thing. Obviously, it's tough for a kid to not take it personally, but you've got to realize that it's not about poor Jemima's singing. It was probably more to do with the, mother, the Mrs. Murphy's self-opinion. <laughs> Did I get the names right? <laughs> I think we just oh, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've lost track of the names. Do you remember who Jemima was? <laughs> I don't remember Jemima. I remember Mr. Alroy. <laughs> I've already forgotten. <laughs> um. So, when you do take something personally, you're really suffering for no real reason. You're just going around the world and really making the choice to suffer when you really don't have to at all. Yeah. If we sort of, you know, if we get offended by somebody else's words and we take it personally, instinctively, we we react and we become defensive and it creates conflicts uh, within us and within our relationships as well. We tend to make something big out of something completely small because we we want to be right we want to prove the other person wrong so maybe we'll throw in a few of our own digs 
at the other person as well. So you've really got to be careful and realize not to take it personally. It's you know a bit of you know, the analogy of water off a duck's back. Just let it roll off. You realize that it's it's nothing to do with you personally. And try and let it go if you can. As your awareness really grows, say if in the case someone lies to you where you've got the option to take it personally, if your awareness is growing, you might notice that you're, you yourself, you actually lie at times as well. So you might have an understanding of the other person and again, it's just a part of human nature and all of a sudden, it's not a personal insult, this person lying to you. Yeah, and that goes it goes both ways. Like, So if someone insults you, don't take it personally. But also if someone gives you super, super praise, you got to be careful not to take that personally as well because you don't want to build up your own self-opinion too high just because of what other people say as well. And he says that we've all got this movie going on in our heads and in our own individual movie where all the producer, the director and the lead actor and everybody else are just the, the secondary characters. So from when everybody you meet in your life, they're all thinking that they're the most important person and you're the secondary person to them. Uh, obviously, uh, the more you can have some empathy and think about other people, the better your life is going to be. But everybody is thinking that they're the star of the movie. So what they're saying is never about you. It's always about them. So that's the second agreement. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. Yeah, making assumptions is is really asking for problems. If we assume that somebody knows what we're thinking and they, they, they're going to know exactly what we want them to do and then they don't do it, we're going to think, what the hell? I thought you knew me better than that. I thought you know exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a definitely. No, absolutely. <laughs> He's got an example of this is probably something that everybody has at some stage, you know, probably weekly. We're walking down the street and then someone's walking past you and they give you this quick two-second uh, glare or something and say that you interpret this as flirting with you and it's the next-door neighbor. All of a sudden, you walk off and the rest of your day you've uh, built up this assumption in your head and then from that that'll grow into something oh shit the the uh you know the next one neighbor wants me she's <laughs> yeah. got a husband she's got kids what's going on and it was a two-second glare mate this sounds like a very specific yeah. this wasn't from the book man you made this one up <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's absolutely true so we can sometimes take a rocket ship uh based on something, a small bit of information and take a rocket ship away and launch well, well away with a massive assumption based on very small things. And this can uh, leave us pretty cooked in some situations. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that you said that. And I'm glad that this book said that everyone thinks it because there's many a time I'm sitting on the train and lock eyes with somebody and I think that there's a bit of a bit of a spark there but um, maybe not <laughs> maybe I'm just making a few assumptions <laughs> oh, almost certainly <laughs> so one of the big assumptions we do is we really think that everyone out there sees life the way we do which as we we're saying earlier in that the, the movie example I mean they've got a different movie playing in their head mm. almost everyone so you can't just assume this you, you need to clarify how other people see the world and that is hard because you need to have the courage to go out there and ask questions to really clarify such things. Yeah, you got to. As it is courage in terms of admitting that you don't know and being able to ask someone, in, and that permeates to all aspects of life: your personal relationships, your work, everything. You need to realize that you generally don't know exactly what the other person wants, and by making assumptions, you might get it thirty percent right, but you're going to get it seventy percent wrong. So, if you've got the courage to step back and ask some questions, you can be on the same page you can think more clearly you can act more cleanly and you're really going to know rather than just assume so without making assumptions you can really uh, move forward with a lot of clear communication because you don't just assume that the other person is on the same page as you the whole time so all of your relationships are going to change not only uh, with your partner but with everybody else so in the relationship example say 
a lot of the time you might have, say you got a, a boyfriend and that person has, uh, and you assume that person has the same point of view about marriage as you, right? So, if you make that assumption for the next five, six years or they've got the same mm. ideas about kids and so forth, this is probably quite common actually. Yeah. And then you That's get to the one. point when you're uh, six years down the track and you've been together for so long and all of a sudden you have the conversation uh, and the partner says, no, I'm focused on my career. I don't want kids yet. I don't want kids at all perhaps. All of a sudden, you've wasted six years with the wrong person because you didn't have the courage to ask the questions at the very start. Yeah, there are a couple of big assumptions, man. So, that's something negative but you can also have a, have a massive upside by not just assuming things. So, whatever job you're in right now, uh, say you're on a certain salary and you just assume that you're not worth 30% more than you are right now. I mean, that's an assumption a lot of us have but why not just ask your boss, say, can I get a 30% pay rise and she might say yes or she might say no and if she says no, at least you can then ask why. And in asking why, all of a sudden you can get clear communication about what are the actual things and reasons why you can't get that. I mean, in both cases, you're much better off where you started, but it takes a lot of courage to ask that question in the first place. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely, man. So, that's the first three agreements and I think they all tie together pretty nicely. And first one was being impeccable with your word. Second was don't take things personally. And the third was don't make assumptions. So, obviously, you've got to realize that uh, everybody's thinking of themselves much more than you, so don't take it personally. And by you not making assumptions and asking the questions, you can become more impeccable with your words. So they all tie together nicely. And the fourth one, which sort of caps them off, is always do your best. So this comes down to every single circumstance. Always do your best. And it's one of those things that is really too close to your eyes to see. But when you really think about it, it's it's obvious. Why the hell not do your best? If you're going around half-assed by a lot of things, you're obviously not living to your full, right? So, it's one of these agreements that it is difficult and it does take practice to actually always put your, your, the best self forward. Yeah, and it's important that we're not only thinking in the, the major things, like perhaps it's a, you know, you've got a a big two-month project at work. Obviously, you're going to want to try your best to do the best work possible, but also in day-to-day interactions as well rather than just, uh, you know, you're waiting in line rather than just standing on your phone. Look for some way to do your best in terms of contributing positively to somebody else's day. You know, always looking for both the big things and also the small things and always doing your best. And interestingly, he says, no more and no less. So, sometimes like you can try too hard to do your best and over invest in it and waste too much energy depleting yourself but also obviously no less than that if you're not doing your best then you there's some kind of gap there and we often fill that gap with say guilt or regret by having not tried our best yes even if you're sick or tired do your best and there is no way that you can judge yourself i mean obviously you can't live in any regret at all if you know that every moment along the way you did your best Mm. i mean even in sickness your best might be uh, sitting down and watching Netflix all day as a way to yeah. recover. But you That's know inside yourself yeah. what your best is. Yeah, exactly. He says that sometimes our best is high quality, but sometimes it's not as good. Like when we wake up in the morning refreshed, our best is going to be better than when we were tired the night before. But in both circumstances, we want to try our best. I think that Netflix was a bit of a narrative fallacy. Yeah, probably continue. not Netflix, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe read a book for the day instead if you're sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when, you, you know, when you're healthy and thriving and you're eating well, Versus when you're drunk, obviously your best is going to be very different. Or when you're feeling happy and hopeful, you're going to be doing better bests than when you're angry and jealous. But in all of those situations, 
whilst your best is going to be different, the important thing is to always do your best in that moment. Mm. Big Don's got a bit of a cheeky Buddhist story that always creeps in in these books. And he says uh, about some uh, student who asked the monk, if I meditate for four hours a day, monk, how long will it take me to transcend? And the monk goes, oh, it'll take you 10 years, son. And then he says, if I meditate for eight hours a day, so twice as long, how long will it take? And you might think uh, it'll be half as long. Yeah. But he says, no, it's going to be 20 years. He says, what, what the fuck? What's, <laughs> what, what's going on? By spending all your time meditating and being in introspection, you're really turning your back on a whole bunch of other things in life like joy and, uh, and so forth. Because we're here to live and be happy. And if you're so serious all the time, then you're really living a lesser life. Yeah, the monk Josephine from the story you just said there was, she was saying that, you know, you're not here to sacrifice everything. You've got to be happy. You've got to live. You've got to love. And you could be able to do your best meditation in two hours a day. But if you're thinking, I'm going to do eight hours of meditation, you're not doing your best whatsoever. So, what she says is, you know, do your best in that two hours a day and then move on to doing other things. Life isn't just about meditating. And by meditating more, you're not going to transcend quicker. You've got to experience life to its fullest. And he calls this living intensely. Whenever we're doing our best and being our best and being more productive, being good to ourselves, being good to others, giving to our families, giving to our community, that's when we're living intensely. By doing our best in every moment, we're going to enjoy life more. Most people do the opposite. They only do things when they expect to be rewarded and they don't enjoy Mm. the actual action of doing things themselves. I mean, this comes down to a lot of people's day-to-day jobs They will be working the whole time, thinking of payday, and then once it's Friday, they go, whoo, and then they go and party all weekend, and then go on a downward spiral on the Monday because they've got to face up to another week, Mm. and then so forth. So, they're always working for this dream of money that comes uh, in the future. So, that means that it comes at a real cost of them doing their best in the present. Yeah, he says it by just looking to the rewards and not looking to do our best in in terms of the actions that we're doing day to day, he says we're going to really resist the work because we're not doing the work for the work's sake. We're doing the work just to get the reward at the end. So that actual work, that's what we're going to switch off from. And that's when we're not going to enjoy our lives because we're not doing our best. We're not living intensely, as he says. So that's when we, you know, we go out on Friday night, try to escape the life. You know, we, we get drunk, we party, we look forward to having two days off. But really, we're not living intensely. And instead of just looking for the destination or the reward, we need to look at the action. We need to look at the journey that we're on and enjoy the journey for the journey's sake. So, that's the fourth agreement, man. So, you know, what we did in summary is, first of all, be impeccable with your word. You know, our word has an extremely creative or destructive power, depending on how you use it. A lot of the people, including myself, we go around not really realizing the power we have with our words and the poison we're inhaling when we spread gossip and we talk shit and and Mm. so forth. So, if you scrap that from your life, you're going to be well along the way of uh, living a good life like the the tail keckers. The second was don't take things personally. Realize that every individual is is the star of their own movie and they're thinking of themselves. And the things that they say to you is more reflection on them and their thoughts and feelings rather than you and your actual abilities. So don't take on board the negative things or the positive things that people say about you. Realize that it's about them, not about you, and don't take it personally. And the third agreement was don't make assumptions. So we've bought into all these different agreements uh, through our domestication of our lives so don't make assumptions that everything is fixed and everything is right actually ask questions have a bit of curiosity to uh, budge 
uh, some of these assumptions which might not be right. And the fourth, always do your best. Realize that it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey. So don't just do things for the reward, do it for the actions themselves and make sure you're doing the best that you can in every moment, the big things and the small things in order to have a beautiful life. So they sound good in, uh, in theory, but it, sometimes it's going to be tough to do it. So he says that firstly, you need a very strong will to keep these agreements because you know, there's going to be obstacles along the way. Other people are going to try to sabotage it. Our environments are set up probably to make us break some of these agreements. But realize that if you break an agreement, begin again tomorrow, start afresh, commit to these four agreements. And if, you don't, if it doesn't go quite right, try again the next day. Yeah, so always do, do your best to keep these agreements and soon it's going to be much easier for you. And he says, if you do this, today is the beginning of a new dream. 